All right, welcome officially to Friday Voice. Uh, this is the final one for 2016. Oh my goodness, where has the year gone? Um, I'm Andrea James, I'm your host for Friday Voice, uh, the whole series, uh, as well as all the other podcasts really here at Voice at the Table. Uh, do check out our website, voiceatthetable.com for podcasts and many more useful resources. Today, we have Karen Miller, who will discuss the topic of how to develop great mentoring relationships. I know life can change when, when we have a helpful mentor, and even as a mentor, it can be you know, inspirational rather than a stressful addition to our workload. So I'm, I'm really keen to hear what Karen has to say. Uh, just a bit of background, Karen is the founder and director of LeapFrog Coaching. Her work focuses on helping clients develop better self-awareness and she gives them deep insights into their current situation, enabling them to set up future direction and reach their goals. Karen has an intimate knowledge of the corporate world. She spent well over 16 years in senior positions in global top 10 FTSE companies, um, in a FTSE company actually, uh, one company, <laughs> uh, specializing in communications, reputation, management, and sustainability. Her full profile is on voiceofthetable.com, so I'll keep this one brief and let Karen tell you why she's going to talk to us about this topic today. Yes, thank you, Andrea. Thanks for the introduction and uh, hello, everybody, and welcome. Uh, so when Odysseus left for the Trojan War, uh, this is uh, Homer's Odyssey, he uh, decided to leave his son um, under the care of his friend. And this friend really acted as an advisor. He was a bit of a wise owl who gave some guidance while um, Odysseus was away. And you will have guessed it, uh, that friend's name was Mentor. So obviously today, mentoring is a staple in professional development. And I've been both at the receiving end and at the giving end of mentoring. And I've seen good and bad. And I guess the first question... Um, for you guys is, are you, are you actually a mentor or a mentee at the moment or have you or have you been um, mentoring in the past? It would be really good to get a bit of an idea of uh, which direction you're coming from. So if you could use the chat box to give us an indication of where you are in the mentoring, that would be great. Cool. Um, and just before we begin the presentation properly, uh, just a quick word about the format for today. Uh, Karen will be presenting uh, three key points um, throughout this lunchtime and I'll be monitoring the chat box throughout the presentation so feel free to ask questions or comment at any time and I will convey them to Karen when we break between each point. If you'd like to speak to Karen directly again just let me know through the chat box and I'll unmute you during one of these times. <laughs> Do note that this will be recorded and shared with Voice at the Table members so uh, if you're happy with that uh, then let's get on with the presentation. Over to you, Karen. Right, so uh, I just haven't had a look at the chat. So what do we've got? We've got um, a mentor here. You've done both. Right, so great mix. So yes, so today's presentation will be very much looking at mentoring um, from both, both angles and should be, should be relevant irrespective of um, which side you're, you're sitting on. So um, before we start, maybe a quick look at uh, mentoring versus coaching. Uh, because I'm always finding that these two terms are really uh, thrown around um, and sometimes I got quite confusing because people don't really uh, see the difference. And I think there is quite a bit of overlap. So I'm, I'm normally not that fast, but I thought for the purpose of this um, session, I think it would be good to just have a quick look at what actually the differences are. Um, and the way I always look at coaching is that 
coaching is really something that happens more um, at an ad hoc basis. So people normally ask for coaching or find themselves a coach when they're coming up against something quite specific. Um, and they really want somebody to help them to find uh, solutions and answers to, to, to their, their very uh, current uh, problem. Um, coaches is a profession, so you normally have somebody who's uh, trained to be a coach and they will work with you to uncover the answers that you already have. So coaching works on the basis that, that you are resourceful and wise and you actually know the answer and you, you get some help from a coach to really uncover uh, maybe the, the solutions that you can't quite see yourself. So that's coaching. Um, mentoring is quite different in that a mentor is really somebody who takes an active interest in somebody else's development. And they can just have a set of experiences or, or skills that is relevant to the, to the mentee. And they can be from your own company, they can be from within the industry, or maybe from a completely different um, industry. And, it, and that all can be a powerful mentoring relationship. But they normally are professionals in their own right, so they're not just doing mentoring. Um, and they're far more uh, involved in actually also sharing own experiences and advising and, um, and, and providing guidance, which is something that coaches traditionally do less of. So, so there are the differences. Um, there's obviously a lot of stuff that's the same. So both are very much focused on, on helping somebody to achieve their goals. And um, both, if done well, provide uh, a space where you can really think about your challenges in a, in a neutral space and, and really take the time to find your own answers. So there is some overlap, which I think is why sometimes the two get confused. Today, we're going to talk about mentoring. And as Andrea said, there's really three points that I want to talk about. They are what I see are the key success factors, because when I've seen bad mentoring, um, I find it's often because people are paired up or they pair themselves up. And then they're kind of left to their own devices. So it's often really just lack of knowledge and, and, and you know, yeah, just, just not knowing what to look out for and what the pitfalls are um, that, that can lead to bad mentoring. And bad mentoring then just becomes a waste of time for everybody. So the three points that I think are quite uh, important to look at is finding the perfect match, uh, contracting, and then uh, at the end, obviously, how do, you, how do you run effective mentoring sessions? And we'll talk a little bit about uh, mentoring skills um, that you might want to nurture if, if you are a mentor. And we'll stop for questions in between. So again, if you do have any questions, please put them in the chat box and we'll uh, try to get uh, to all of them before we finish. So finding the perfect match, it really is a little bit like dating. Um, with finding a good mentor, you really want somebody that you just click with. Um, there's normally two routes through which you um, find mentoring happening. So the first one is through organizations. So bigger organizations often have quite sophisticated uh, mentoring schemes in place. So they're run by HR departments. Um, they will look for a pool of mentors. They will look for a pool of mentees and will try to match you up with somebody that will be good for your specific needs. Um, that's if you work in a fairly large organization. But then a lot of mentoring also is self self-organized. So Either you have somebody who's quite experienced and, uh, and senior in an organization who sees some young talent and decides uh, to take them under their wings. Um, or the, the other way around, you, you get people that think, well, for their own development, they really feel mentoring could be a good addition and they're, they're looking in their own network to find somebody who um, might be willing to take on that role. So they are kind of the two roles. 
whichever route you might come through, there's a couple of really important factors to, to consider. So the first one is be very, very clear what your objective is for the mentoring. Um, and again, that's where I often see things um, falling flat on their face because in, in some organizations, mentoring is almost like something that's done to all the management trainees, for example, but it's not really clear what the objective of that then is. And it becomes a bit of a, an aimless kind of intervention. So if you're very clear about what exactly you want, do you want somebody who can give you exposure to leadership skills, then you're probably looking at a certain type of, of person. Do you want somebody that can maybe help you expand your network across the industry, in which case you might not even want to look within your organization? Do you want somebody who's just maybe one step ahead of you in, in, in your career and learn from how they've made that next step? So they're all very different objectives. Just be clear on what it is before you really venture into um, finding that perfect match. Never, ever force a mentor. I, I really think and I'm going to talk about commitment to the process uh, a bit more as we go along. I mean, mentoring and being mentored is hard work, right? Um, it is something that you do in addition to your day job, and it, it does require some energy and some commitment. And if you're asking a mentor who's a bit reluctant and doesn't really want to do it, I wouldn't twist their arm because I don't think you'll get the time that you actually want from them. Um, and you probably also don't get the, the input that you're expecting. So I'd really move on and find somebody who's actually up for it and who wants to do it. And the last point, and again, I talk about this a few more times before the end of the session, is trust. Um, it is probably the one fundamental thing that you need in a, in a well-functioning mentoring relationship. Because if, if you can't really trust each other for whatever reason, you will not be able to have real open discussions about that stuff that really matters. So, and that's where the science often falls flat. And that's why... <coughs> Um, I have to excuse my cough. I've, I'm at the tail end of a cold, so you hear me coughing from time to time. Um, if, if you really have a relationship where, where you can't fully address the stuff that's difficult, um, uh, it will be very difficult to, to make real progress. So trust is absolutely key and uh, something that sometimes can't be predicted. So you can, you know, everything can be fine on paper and you think, you know, you've got the right skill sets and, and the right expectations and you bring two people in a room together and they just don't click. Uh, in which case, again, I think the best thing is to move on and, and, and keep looking for somebody where it works better. So more specifically, um, what you want to look for in a mentor is relevant professional experience. And I, I emphasize the word relevant. So again, if you know what your goal is, you'll know what kind of person you're looking for and what kind of experience you want them to have. So um, and make sure that that actually matches up. You want, of course, somebody with great interpersonal skills. You want somebody who, who actually enjoys engaging with other people and who, you know, especially people that are quite senior, who, who really enjoy also maybe talking to, to, to the, the next generation leaders and, and understanding where they're coming from and how they're different. And you want somebody who, who gets a real, you know, kick out of that. And somebody who has got a genuine desire to help others uh, and who wants to really help, help others up the ladder rather than. Uh, pulling the ladder up behind them. And you also want somebody who's got some, some battle scars. Um, if, you, uh, if you're being mentored by somebody who at least, you know, on, on the surface seems to have that perfect career, never had a glitch and never has failed, first of all, I would question whether that's actually the case. But you want really somebody who can relate to, to when things are difficult and when you might not be too sure of yourself. And 
and you are failing and you're messing things up. I mean, that's, that's, you know, the mentor that you want, somebody who can relate to that and can remember what that's like. And, you know, who probably is experiencing that still in a conscious way themselves, no matter what level of the organization they're at. In a mentee, self-motivation. As I said, you know, being mentored is hard and you are doing all the heavy lifting because you're certainly not going to be spoon fed by your, your mentors. So you really are looking for people that will be self-motivated and really excited to, uh, to develop. So um, they should be able to articulate their own development objectives. And this is not just the overall goal that I was talking about earlier. It's also for each session, they, you want somebody who's really clear of, you know, how do they want to utilize the time that they, that they have with a mentor um, and not people that just rock up for a session and think they're going to have a nice chat. I mean, that's nice, but that's not really what mentoring is for. So you want somebody who's quite self-driven. Um, you want somebody who's able to accept feedback and who's willing to be challenged, um, which for some people is not that easy. So you really are looking for people that are willing to look uh, at the stuff that's hard to listen to and the, the, the feedback that might really help them to, um, to move ahead, but, but that's hard to hear. Uh, you want somebody who's ambitious. After all, if, if, if they don't really want to go anywhere, why would you actually want to mentor them? Um, so you want people that are really prepared to get stuck in and get their hands dirty and do all the hard work. Um, and then, you know, from a mentoring point of view, it's, it's, it's such fun to see somebody who then uh, uh, really kind of, you know, puts the stuff that you talk about in sessions into action and, uh, and you, can, you can see them grow and develop. Um, both of them should really be committed to the process. Um, as I said, it does require some, some time. So you need to be able to make the time required for mentoring. And if you can't really promise that at the beginning, then um, again, you might not be you know, the right pairing. Um, it is really important that you are uh, fully on board and you want to make this happen. And both should have the willingness to learn from each other. And I think that's, that's particularly something that often gets forgotten for mentors. But I really, I mean, every time I've mentored or, or coached, actually, <coughs> I find that I learn so much from uh from the people that i work with and and you really want you want people that can embrace that that learning opportunity for themselves as well um and yeah open-minded flexible attitude for exactly the same reason and again trust is is the main thing so you want people that are willing to trust and um uh, that can also you know behave in a way that they can be trusted so so yes, I, I really think it is a bit like dating. You really want somebody, you know, that, you know, if, if you're doing online dating, that doesn't just, just tick all the boxes on paper, but you actually uh, meet up with them and think, oh, there's something here. And uh, I really want to meet this person for, for more conversations. So, and I think this is a good point to stop for questions, if there are any. Yeah, I do have one question, uh, but before um, I ask a question, just uh, I do make it explicitly clear, you can send me a private message, so you don't need to write the chat in the chat box to everybody uh, if you want to keep it private. And, um, and also, just before I ask Karen the, the question, have any of you out there, have, have, have you had any bad mentoring experiences? Uh, if you have, just, you know, raise your hand or, or put a yes uh, to me and, and um, so we can get a feel of what it's like out there uh, for all of you listening in today. Uh, so the question I have, because uh, you mentioned about uh, mentoring is almost like dating in a way. Um, how do you break up 
if you if you're in a less than perfect match yeah i think i think you know it's almost easiest at the very beginning which is why i really think that is it's so good to really take the time to 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 test all these things and i'm going to talk about contracting in a minute which is also still part of it um but I think, you know, if, if something doesn't feel quite right, I think at this point, it's quite easy to still say, look, I'm, I'm not quite, I'm, I don't quite think we're on the same page here. Um, it's much harder once you, you actually go into the relationship and you're a couple of sessions in. Um, I would always, always, always suggest to just be honest. Um, and as hard as it is, I think um, something doesn't feel right. I mean, nobody wants to waste their time, right? I mean, we're all... We're all pressed for time. And and especially, I think, you know, the, the responsibility probably lies slightly more with the mentor because they are usually the more experienced people and they are the more senior people. And and if if they feel that there's something that's 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 not quite working, I think, you know, I, I would always kind of, you know, ask mentors to really speak up and, and take that responsibility as, as the more senior person um, and, and address address that and and decide to move on but not exclusively again if, if the mentor think everything's great and the mentee isn't isn't quite feeling it then um there's no way around saying i'm not sure about this there really isn't yeah i mean some some breakups are slightly awkward um, yeah. in, in the process uh it doesn't have to be uh, it shouldn't be avoided nevertheless um, no exactly and i think you know the next the next part of the session where we talk about contracting is another um, probably another answer to this question because I think you know at that point you talk in far more detail around what exactly you expect from the relationship and how it's going to work so so probably bear with me on that as well uh, sure. it might give you more of an answer to that yeah I've got another question uh, with <laughs> regards to trust can you give some examples of what level of information you can expect them to be confidential with yes um, Again, I'll talk about that in a second uh, in terms of confidentiality. Um, my, my gut feel is that mentoring should always be entirely confidential um, because I think you, you will not be able to uh, create a, a relationship where a mentee is, is fully willing to, to share their deepest fears of, of you know, the stuff that might go wrong in their professional development if they if they think that, you know, the mentor might go for lunch with the line manager afterwards and stuff might be shared. So it has to be a complete agreement on confidentiality. However, having said that, it sometimes gets more complicated when mentoring takes place as part of like professional development, you know, as part of a development plan, because in that case, sometimes there are, you know, there is HR and a line manager who wants some form of feedback on how it's going. Um, and I really think that just, again, it needs to be discussed and you need to be very clear uh, on what kind of boundaries you want to set around this and under what circumstances you want to share stuff. I always would start from the, from the basis nothing will be shared and stick to that as much as you possibly can. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, there's no more questions for now. So. Yeah. So I think, you know, again, the next session we will probably uh, tap into some of those things um, again anyway. So... <clears throat> so once you've got your your perfect match or you, at least you think you've got it um, and you've had that first meeting and you think no there's something here and I think we can work together um, the next very important step and again I think it's something that often doesn't happen and where, where things start to go wrong is contracting and contracting is all about setting very clear expectations from both sides um, it's not necessarily 
written agreement, even though I think, you know, actually taking some notes on this is not a bad idea. So you've got something to refer to and some, it also shows some commitment to what you've, what you've agreed. Um, but it's really, you should have a, a meeting where you're talking about how is this going to work? What kind of framework do we want to put around our relationships? And the points that I would suggest you cover is, um, again, the topic and the goal. And I think I would, at this point, be a bit more specific. I would really talk through that in a bit more detail and, and articulate it in, in a proper sentence and ideally make it a smart goal so you really see um, if, you're, if you've moved the goalpost um, at the end of the, the mentoring. So be clear on that. Then again, confidentiality, we just talked about it already. <coughs> um, talk about it and address it and see, you know, depending on, on how your mentoring has come about, uh, there might be different uh, needs for confidentiality or not. Um, but again, I would always start very much from the premise that everything is confidential and you only share share uh, stuff once you've both talked about it and agreed that that's the right thing to do and it should be an absolute exception. Um, so logistics, so that's the boring stuff. And I would very much put that into the court of the, the mentee. I think the mentee should be the one that actually organizes meetings and, you know, makes sure it's in the diaries and, and does all that kind of, you know, admin, admin side of mentoring. But you should be very clear about, you know, how often do we want to meet? Um, how long are the sessions going to be? Where are we going to meet? Is it going to be face-to-face, -face, which is ideal, obviously? Uh, is that not possible? In which case, are we going to go to Skype? Are we going to do it over the phone? Um, just, you know, again, just be clear on, on what you think uh, this will look like. Very important also is how are you going to uh, review progress? And again, that's where the, the goal is so important. So if you know where you're heading, uh, you can, for example, say, well, every two or three sessions, we'll take a few minutes at the beginning or at the end to just refer back to this and see, is that still the right goal? Because sometimes life changes, right? Um, and if it is the right goal, are we actually making progress and are we, are we moving in the right direction? Uh, in reality, you sometimes will kind of go off piste a little bit, and I think that's absolutely fine too. But the overall goal should obviously never be, be forgotten about um, because that's, that's at the end of the day, you know, why you're meeting in the first place. And duration of mentoring. So again, often, <coughs> often I see mentoring starting um, without really having a defined end. And I find that's, that often makes it much harder for a mentor to commit because they're not really sure what they're committing to. Um, but also I find that, you know, it's, it's much better to, to know, you know, to, to, to keep focus and to know, okay, we're going to work together, for example, for a year. I think a year is always quite a nice time frame um, because it really allows you to make some progress, but it also keeps you focused because it's, it's not forever, right? So in a year, you can have easily, if you decide you're going to have monthly sessions, you can have 10, 12 sessions. Um, and uh, that's, that's quite a nice number to, um, to, to really move the needle. Um, it also kind of then allows you to move the relationship to something, something different, right? So if, if a mentoring relationship has been really productive and, and great, then, you know, in most cases, it won't stop. So you will probably decide to, to stay in touch, but you might do it in a, in a less formal setting. So you might decide to catch up over lunch after that every couple of months, right? So, so often these, these relationships turn into lifelong friendships, but, but the formal coach, uh, the formal mentoring should really have a defined end. Um, and again, if, if you're discussing any of these points and you're thinking you're not actually on the same page on any of this, then 
that really is a red flag. And I would, I would again go back to, you know, are, are we going to be able to work together if, if we've got very differing views on, on uh, how this will actually work out in practice? Any questions on this? Yeah, I've got a few uh, great questions, actually. Uh, so the first one is, what would be a typical goal that you might set for your mentee? Well, I think the, men the, the goal should be set by the mentee. Mm. Because again, if the, if the mentee, I think, you know, ment mentoring should really be, the ownership should be very firmly with the mentee. So the mentee should really come to you with a clear idea of where they want to go. Um, and I think it could be, it could be lots of things, you know, that mentoring can happen because you, again, you might say, I really want exposure to, um, to a different function and more leadership skills. In which case, if you're working in marketing, you might be looking for a mentor who's quite a lot more senior in your finance, finance department. Um, you could be looking for somebody who can, again, just show you how you make that that next step in your career, in which case you might not look that far. You might look for somebody who's only slightly ahead of you, right? So that could be another, another goal. It could be, it could be all sorts of things, but it really should be driven by the needs of the mentee. So I would never go in and set a goal for a mentee because um, they really need to know what their development goals are. So the next one is sort of related to that. So can the goal shift or change throughout the mentoring relationship? Absolutely. And I think that happens all the time. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, mentoring should always be in the service of the mentee. And if life changes, um, I guess a simple example would be if somebody starts the, <laughs> starts the mentoring because they want the next promotion and they, they want some help on, you know, how they, how they can develop the right skill set to be considered for that. And miraculously, it happens three months later then that goal has been accomplished. And of course, if you've, got a, if you've got a really powerful mentoring relationship, you will probably look at, well, what's next then? And, and what would be the next, next thing to work on? Absolutely, it changes. And it should change. And that's why I think it's important to, to review it on a regular basis so you get a chance to adjust to, to life. And the final question, uh, when choosing a mentor, should you try and pick someone who is highly unlikely to end up your line manager? Because if a mentor did end up your line manager uh, in the future, you might feel comprom compromised um, yes. by what you've told them. Yes. And I think, you know, I would always, and I think it's, it's, it is best practice to really look for somebody who's, who's not somebody who's in your daily kind of work environment. So, yes, if it's somebody <coughs> that you think might end up in the job just above you, um, I personally would not recommend going for that. So you normally will really look for somebody who's, who's working in a different function um, or, or in a different office, in a different, you know, somewhere where your, your paths are unlikely to, to cross in that way. Um, that's definitely better. I think it can always happen, in which case, again, I'm, I'm a big fan of being open about this stuff. I think I would probably then have that conversation and saying, oh, this is a little bit awkward and I'm slightly uncomfortable about this and put it out on the table so that it's kind of out of the way almost, um, but it's best avoided. Great, thank you very much. Um, that's all the questions that have come in for now. <coughs> Great, brings us to the last, last section. So you found your perfect match, you've done your contracting, so everything's great and you, uh, you start working together. So then I guess the next question is, well, how do you actually run 
a good and effective mentoring session. Um, and I always find that, you know, the more experienced you, you get as a mentor, the less you need a structure. Because I think the, 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 the more often you've done it, you're quite, you know, you're more comfortable just, just being present and seeing what the mentee brings in that session and, and working with that. But for somebody who's maybe less experienced, it might be helpful to have a bit of a structure uh, to work towards. And, um, and I think equally, it is good for mentee to understand, you know, how, how a session can be um, outcome focused and valuable uh, because you really want to make the, the, the most of the time that you have together. So for those of you that are familiar with the GROW model, which is often used in coaching, um, this will remind you of that because it's, it's not dissimilar, right? So <coughs> at the beginning of a mentoring session, um, you should really always set a meeting objective. So, so that's why I was saying earlier, the mentee should be very clear to articulate what their need is on a specific day. So they don't just show up for the chat. So they should be coming in with a clear idea of, no, this is you know, keeping my overall goal in mind. This would really be a helpful conversation to have today. And I, I, this is where I need some help. So um, you set that objective and then you spend a bit of time really understanding the issue. And again, that accounts for both because the mentee might think they understand the issue, but I think a mentor can really through, through questioning maybe shine some light on areas that a mentee hasn't really thought about. So, so you would really ask loads of questions around, you know, if it's, if it's some issue that's, that's presented itself, for example, you could ask questions around where is this happening? When is this happening? Has it happened before? Who's involved in this? Um, what makes this something that you want to work on? You know, what would be better if you had sorted this out? You know, all those kind of questions to really understand um, what you're dealing with. And then the bulk of the session is really all that messy stuff in the middle. So this is where you're really kicking ideas around and you're really exploring how um, this particular topic could be addressed and, and how, how it could be used for further development. So as a mentor, this is where you, you do all of these things, right? So you, you obviously lots of listening, but you can also you know, summarize things back to the mentee. You can reframe, you can brainstorm ideas, you can challenge them and probe. Um, can share your own thoughts and experience. Again, that's where the difference is between mentoring and, um, and coaching. So you can really also say, well, if, if I was you, I probably would do this, and that's absolutely fine. Um, ask lots and lots and lots of good questions to really get your mentee to think that one step further. And that's why one of my favorite questions is, what else? Because in, in, in many of these situations, you know, you, you have a good couple of ideas. And then it gets harder. And that question, what else, when you think you've run out, often brings up that extra idea that really unlocks some, some new answers that you couldn't see until then. So, so this should really be the, the, the bug of the session. Um, in the end, you obviously need to bring it back together. <coughs> so after all that kind of throwing, throwing things up in the air and see where it all lands, um, you need to agree outcomes and actions. So it's really down to the mentee to, to really think, okay, so, so, you know, having talked about all of this, what, what is the sensible way forward? What actions might I want to take? What things might I want to change in my behavior? Uh, whatever it is really that you've discussed. Um, and, and commit to, to, to those actions. It's always good to spend a little bit of time uh, on what can get in the way because we often know that there are certain 
you know, threats to our actions. So the most common one is, oh, I won't have time to do it, right? So it's best to think about that upfront so that when it actually happens, you've thought about it and ideally you have a plan B. So for example, if, if you've committed to, you know, doing something that requires some time and you think you might actually not find the time, well then think, think at this point, what are you going to put down? What are you going to stop doing? to free up the time that you need to, to do this if this is your priority, right? So, so think about what can get in the way so, so you're not taken by surprise. And finish the session by really summarizing the takeouts. And again, this is very much down to the mentee to, to with the help of the mentor to just reflect on the session and say, okay, this, this is, these are my key takeouts. This is what I've learned. This is maybe what I, what I uh, see and this is what I want to take, take forward. So that's a nice little structure for a mentoring session that, that will um, ensure that the mentee will walk away with some, some practical actions um, on, on how, to, how to move forward. <coughs> so mentoring skills. So obviously, you know, if you are a mentor, there's a couple of skills that you might want to develop further um, in order to be the best mentor that you can be. And the first one is, of course, listening. And um, when I say listening, you know, I, I love this phrase, listen to understand rather than uh, listen to respond, because I think so often we get caught up in, in listening to somebody, but really half of the time we're thinking about, oh, what can we say next? Or how does this apply to me? Or what's a really clever question that I can ask when they finish? And by, by having all these kind of, you know, thought process, we're probably not actually listening that well. So, so practicing to listen really fully and to really try to understand and put yourself into their shoes as much as possible and that just does not just involve hearing them it also involves seeing them seeing their body language um, paying attention to what they're not saying which might sometimes be quite revealing so so really use your whole body to to listen to them and, and understand where they're coming from then the next one is of course questioning so this is the, the key skill for both coaching and mentoring. Um, so it's really about asking powerful questions and questions that will enable your mentee to, to see things differently or to think that one step further. Um, so, so lots and lots of open questions um, are, are really, really powerful. What questions are great? Uh, so, so what will be different? Uh, you know, what else could you do? Uh, you know, yeah. What questions can open up a lot of, a lot of new opportunities? It's also your role to help your mentee uh, stay focused. So again, while I think the mentee should really come in with their, with their session objectives, it is your role as a mentor to make sure that the overall goal um, that, they've, that they've come to you with um, is, is not forgotten. So while again, you might kind of, you know, stray off from time to time, I think, you know, really help them stay focused and make sure that they reach their, their overall development goal and also hold them accountable. So if, if they said they're going to do certain things, then you can really uh, help them uh, and by checking in and making sure that's actually happened. Um, yeah, feelings, still a bit of an unpopular word in the corporate world, but really a, a well-functioning mentoring relationship should allow for feelings as well, because again, sometimes you address stuff that's actually quite difficult and you want a mentee to be able to talk about the stuff that's really, really tough for them. Um, and, and as a mentor, you should be able to, to yeah, be, be with, with those kind of difficult feelings. And uh, sometimes, you know, people even get emotional. So you need to 
be able to, to deal with that. Um, yeah, you have to confront and challenge. So sometimes it is also about maybe confronting some, some negative attitudes or behavior that's just not helpful. Uh, and I think, you know, again, that's where the trust basis comes in. So once, once you've got a well-established trust, trusting relationships, it is possible to address stuff that people might not want to hear um, because they will, they will know that you do it as their friend and in their best interest. Um, but yeah, you need to be willing to, to name those um, more difficult things. Yes, and you're, you're a teacher. Again, that's the main difference to coaching. So, you know, it's all about sharing experiences and, you know, showing them how things are done. Um, so, so remember your teaching skills. And last but not least, you are their cheerleader. You should be their unconditional friend. And even if they're messing up while you're mentoring them, you are by their side and you're going to help them to get out of the mess. And, and you really need to... Um, yeah, just just cheer them on no matter what because that that allows for all this other stuff to also happen because they they know that you're on their side and whatever you you say is is really to help them. So that's just some some mentoring skills that you want to develop, and <coughs> quite topical. Um, as voice at the table, we are actually launching a new uh, workshop series um, next year. Uh, which is actually for mentors or anyone who's about to go into a mentoring role. So if that is you, you might be interested in this. Um, so all these skills that we've just talked about and, you know, how to really avoid the pitfalls, um, you know, practicing some of these uh, skills that I was just talking about, all that will happen in these workshops, but it will also provide a safe space where people can bring real life cases. So we'll only ever allow one person per organization so that um, confidentiality will not be an issue. So you can, bring real life cases and, and share them obviously in an anonymous kind of, you know, form uh, with other mentors and with um, expert coaches and really work on solutions. So um, I think it'll be, it'll be a great workshop series. Um, and uh, if it's something for you, we're looking at six monthly evening sessions. Um, they are going to be 795 plus VAT. But if you've been participating in this call today, uh, we will be offering a 20% discount. So if you are interested in this, just make sure you drop me a note and do it over the next three working days. So I think that's also uh, happens to be the end of November. So, so do let me know. And if you can't really secure uh, funding through your organization um, within three days, then, then do let us know and, and, and we'll take it from there. And we might be able to help you come up with a business case uh, to convince the, the budget holders for this. So and to add to that, uh, the sessions take place in London. Yes, it's the central London venue somewhere. Yeah. <coughs> and just to, to clarify that too, um, we do understand that people need to go off and ask. Um, it's, this is just, it's not obligation. Let us know yeah. in the next three days that you're interested and, and you can secure it. And if you're not live on this call, that's also fine. If you're listening to this, uh, the recorded session, uh, again, just, just email Karen. Yes, exactly. And then, uh, yes, there's the, the next session that I wanted to briefly highlight. Oh, Andrea, do you want to say a few words about the next next uh, Yeah, uh, Cara will be uh, presenting the next uh, session. And I personally really love uh, this title because it makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 and titles, <laughs> what? <laughs> Is that possible? Uh, and... If, if, if you have met Kara, you'll know that she has a lot of integrity. So um, 
the, the the blagging aspect is much needed for women who constantly feel like they're they're not good enough. It's not ready yet. Um, and and this is this is going to be a very interesting podcast. So I hope you can join us. Do yeah. you want to add anything more, Karen, to that? Uh, no, I think that's it. And okay. we've got a bit of time for questions, I think. If there's we do, we do. Um, I will also, uh, I'm going to put in the, uh, the, the chat uh, now too, um, a link to a, an article that uh, I was actually discussing with, with, with Rina um, about the art of the awkward, because I think it covers um, some <laughs> things that uh, Karen has been sharing with us today. How to how sometimes it, it's not necessarily comfortable, um, but it doesn't mean that it's not useful. So, so there's a link uh, that I've put in there, uh, if you fancy reading that. Um, so let's crack on with the questions. So the first one is, what if you are very organized because when you have the this is how a session uh, a useful session will look like if you as a mentee are quite organized but your mentor is a little bit more freeform if you will and you value the the relationship with them and you don't want to you know turn them off as it were but you find that it's very difficult to rein them in what are some things that you can do to to make it a little bit more structured without um, changing the dynamics too much. Yeah, interesting one. Interesting one. I've never had that actually. Um, but again, I mean, again, my my gut feel on all this stuff is that if you've if you've got a good relationship, I would talk about it. And I think it's, it's the stuff that, you know, you get, a, you get a natural opportunity to talk about it if you, in the contracting stage, have decided that you're going to review progress on a regular basis, right? And that makes it less awkward, which is why I think it's so important to put that in from the very beginning. Because if you've got those sessions where you think, oh, let's just see, you know, how is this actually going? I think it presents the perfect opportunity to say, can we try maybe something slightly different? And I've kind of, you know, come across this this structure for a session and can we just try that and see you know if that works better or not so i think these are really good opportunities to to give each other feedback and 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 really review how the mentoring as such is going so just make sure in contracting you've talked about it you've talked about the fact that you will have those kind of conversations um, it makes it less awkward great thank you very much um, one other uh, quick question is when priorities change throughout the year, um, how, how do we make it still important to us when the workload sort of gets on top of us? Um, are there any tips that you can share um, to, to bring a focus to the mentoring? What, what I mean is when you're caught up with all these projects, coming to the mentoring session with the right mindset, if you will. Yeah, I think, you know, Again, it comes back to in initially the, the commitment. So I think at least in the beginning, both parties should be very clear that this is going to be one of their priorities. Um, but I think, you know, when, when life gets busy, I think there's nothing wrong with also changing the format. Mm -hmm. So if you hear that really both of you are two or just one are, are just too busy to meet for a whole hour, then find other ways of, you know, say, look, can I ring you 
you know, maybe even even you know in the evening, or can I ring you for twenty minutes on a on a on a weekend, and we'll just do a very quick kind of you know speed session almost. So so I think the more flexible you are in terms of you know how you can make these things work, um, the more you're able to keep the ball rolling. Uh, if it might not be at the same intensity, but you're not going to kind of it, it won't fizzle out that way. And again. Coming back to contracting, the more you talk about this stuff up front, you know, it's another thing that you could just, you know, put into your contracting conversation. What are we going to do if we get really, really busy and we can't make the extra session? Are we both happy to, again, for example, do it in the evenings or, or do it on a weekend? And, and you'll, you'll get from the answer as well whether both parties are properly in it. Because if they say absolutely not... Um, then yeah, maybe maybe they're not quite as committed as you want them to be. There's always a way. There's always a way. And it might not be a full hour session, but that's maybe fine. Yep, brilliant. Thank you so much for that. So there aren't any questions coming in anymore, I can see, but um, I'm going to make a couple of announcements. So if you do have a question whilst I'm rambling on, uh, do type in the chat box. So the first is we are very, very keen to make these podcasts work for you. So could you please let us know if you found it useful? Uh, was it relevant to you? And if you've got any um, comments about what you'd like to see more of, how we can make it better, uh, any of your thoughts would be very welcome. Please email uh, Karen at voiceatthetable.com and I'll, I'll put her email address in the, in the chat as well. And it will come out to you in the follow-up um, email where you get a recording as well as the slides. Um, so just before we close, um, a quick reminder, if you're a woman who is interested in developing yourself in your career, we have resources like video training on how to deal with conflict, performance, bullying, coaching, and many more uh, relevant topics. Um, there's also iVoice, uh, which all deal with topics that begin with I, like integrity, innovation, insightfulness. Um, we also give you access to our coaches and experts um, so you can ask any questions and we do guarantee a turnaround email within 48 hours. And on top of all of this, there's also an online community forum for all the members. Uh, all of this is part of our individual membership offering and it's available for less than a price of a coffee, uh, daily coffee. Uh, so for a free month trial, uh, just go to voiceatthetable.com and uh, look at the membership office, uh, membership options, I'm sorry. Um, so I hope you some can join us. Um, I look forward to seeing you in there. Karen, any final words before I end this? Oh, well, thank you very much, everybody, for, for joining and for listening. And um, yeah, good, good luck with uh, being mentored or with mentoring. And we hope to see some of you uh, for our workshop series next year. Yeah. So if you, if you like all those resources, which are just for members only, um, do go and take a look. Um, thank you very, very much, Karen, uh, for sharing all your knowledge with us. Um, I'm Andrea James, uh, and on behalf of Voice at the Table, we look forward to seeing you in the new year in January. So um, it's a bit early, but happy holidays till then. <laughs> I hope the rest of the year is great. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.